All right, welcome to Making Movies is Hard. This is the podcast where we talk about the struggles of the independent filmmaker. I'm Alric Brissell, and with me as always is Timothy Plain. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So how are you doing today, Timothy? I'm doing okay. I had a pretty epic week, actually. Ooh, epic week. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> this is great because it's coming right off of the tail of our last episode talking about features. I think it was a little... Actually, our conversation was a little confusing last week because... Part of it was saying, you just got to take whatever opportunity you have. And then the other part of it was like, but you got to be passionate about it. So there's a constant struggle between those two sides. Like right. the one side of you is like, I just got to make a feature film. And then the other side's like, no, I got to make a good feature film and I got to feel something for it because it's going to take so much of my time and my energy. So that's kind of what I struggled with over the past week with this project. I actually talked a little bit about it. I think two episodes ago when I said some writers had contacted me uh, about a screenplay that I had read two years ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. The situation is these writers have written a book. They've done pretty well selling it through Amazon as like an ebook. Um, now they have a screenplay that they've done a really good job of getting in front of people, but no one's really taking them seriously because they're just... Really, the only people attached to the project are these two writers and a friend of theirs and then a casting director in L.A. So, yeah, they're getting the script into the right hands, but those people are kind of telling them, well, yeah, we'll we'll share it with this name actor as soon as you guys have some partial funding because they want to know it's a real project, right? It's the, that's the story everyone tells. Exactly. So that's kind of where they are with like pursuing people. On the other side, they're trying to find out how do we get funding. They had a budget put together from uh, a producer that came in at around $10 million when you take when you pull out all the actor's fees. And they asked me if I wanted to help out and potentially be a director. So I told them that based on what I read two years ago... I needed some major story changes and I would like to bring another writer in, into it, rewrite the script. If they're in, if they're open to that, then I would send them my ideas for what I would change. And they said, actually, yeah, we're open to it. So I sent them all the ideas that I had to change the script. And then that kind of was a deal breaker for them. They said, no, if you're going to do this, the story has to stay the same as what we wrote in the book. The way that they want to tell the story has to do with religion. It has to do with oh. angels and God and somebody getting a second chance after they go to heaven. Mm. My idea is to ground it in reality, not and take out all those supernatural elements, treat it historically and have that character uh, stay alive at the end. But they say that's a deal breaker. The character has to ascend to heaven at the end. I have a it's hard so time <laughs> with this with the whole heaven and angel thing because in a book you can you can say something about those kind of the spirituality aspects of life and people can fill in the gaps with their own imagination and make it believable for themselves but when it comes to a movie you have to create an image for that that everyone can buy into if you can't have an audience buy into it they're automatically gonna disengage with your story so for me it's a big danger because i don't think that there's a way to tell the story believably if those aspects are in it i think that well, it's gonna be kind of hokey 
Well, okay, so, I mean, they're defining it as God or heaven or whatever, right? But maybe it's you don't have to necessarily define it as that for you as a filmmaker or as an artist if you're visualizing it. You could just say it's the unknown, right? Like, we don't know what it is. Like, think of it more like a like a sci-fi story than a religious totally. story. Like, like, take the religion part and then replace it with science fiction and then go go from it that at that angle which might not work for them if they're really religious people then they might not like that anyways but i don't know i think that's kind of a fun fun way to look at it well let's say that cuz i agree with you if i could figure out a way to get into it and keep those elements of the story and make it so it's a little bit more vague i think they're going to have a problem with it but well cuz are you cuz are you are you an atheist or are you just not religious at all or what's your deal no, it has nothing to do with my religious beliefs. It has to do with what I think is going to make a good story, a compelling story and a believable story. And I just don't think that I can take those aspects of it and put it to screen and make something good. I just don't think I can make it good because every example that I can think of that uses this kind of technique is just hokey to me. It's just my own mm. personal feeling about those kind of movies and I, I don't see a way into it creatively right now. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I would just say like, you know, because you love science fiction and you love like supernatural movies too, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just think of it more like that and less of the religious hokiness that you're sort of thinking of. Yeah. You know, and like if you can you approach it from your own sort of, I don't know, like did you see Noah, um, the Russell Crowe Noah? No. So like that's a really good example of like taking – like a really, you know, famous religious story and then, you know, bringing a whole new take onto it in a way. And uh, I thought he did a really good job, uh, Aronofsky, of just like, you know, bringing his own style to something that's mm -hmm. so sacred and important to people. And uh, it is, it's really interesting the way that he approaches it because like he kind of does sort of that thing where it's like here he outlines what, what happened, like, you know... Um, Adam and Eve and you know the af like what happened after that and like the tough times in the barren wasteland and then like at the end like there's some real questions like is Noah actually talking to God or is he just insane <laughs> yeah you know and I think it's really fun and I mean if you did it that way like you you showed this vision after he dies and then you do it you could you could I'm saying like you could have both like you could ground it in reality and you could have the things, the elements they want in it too, I think, you know? Yeah. But it would be challenging, but I, I, I mean. Okay, well, I let's, my... let's move on to the next portion of then of the struggle. Oh, with okay, this. sure. Because, sure. yeah, the story is one thing and, and the story is complicated and hard for me to swallow. At the same time, if I felt like I was getting something back from the writers and the producer, like, oh, you know, you, we want you because we really like your style or what you bring to it. I'm not really feeling that right now. I'm feeling that the reason they're talking to me is because I don't really have any other options and they, they just think <laughs> that I'm cool. But in terms of me fitting into their project, it doesn't feel like a perfect fit. And I've already had mm. enough kind of battles with them just over the past week about the story and the changes that I want to make that I'm not feeling that they're open to another person coming in and offering a point of view. I've been given the bottom line from the writer. They're just like, you're going to do it my way or you're not going to do it at all, which I don't mm. like. It doesn't mm. feel like a good partnership. And at the end of the day, 
if it's going to be a movie that I'm going to put a lot of time and energy into and I don't really think that the story is 100% there, I want to at least work with people that I want to be with. And right now I'm not feeling like these people are people that I want to be around because they just aren't experienced. This is their first book, their first screenplay, but they're acting like they know it all. And to be honest, I just, I don't really believe that they're going to get this movie Mm. made. Right. So like why attach yourself if, if it's just going to crumble anyways? Right. So my big, here's the fear that I play out. So I love how ambitious they're being. I think it's awesome that they're trying to get stars attached and they're trying to get like a real budget for it. They're not thinking of this on a truly independent level. Like they're, they're going big, which of course I love, but at the (laughs) same time, their script is just bad. And if Mm. I'm going to be put out there into the world attached to a pretty big movie and a script that's bad and writers that don't want to change it, if that's my first introduction to agents and actors, that could end up killing my career if the movie doesn't get made. Let's say it doesn't. And let's say the movie does get made. Then I'm attached to a movie that people will definitely see because it's going to have some some name actors in it. And it's big enough that it could ruin my career just by nature of it being a bad movie and I'm attached to it. So <laughs> either way that I play it out, I'm just it seems like a bad move for me unless I can get it creatively in a place that I feel comfortable with and getting it out to people. So I feel like I have to rewrite it. I have to have a, a different writer on it and I have to be able to tell the story that I think is good in order for me to feel comfortable with my name going out into the world on it. Does that That's make sense? Fair. Yeah, I just I kind of have another take on that, you know, mm-hmm. because I'd love like to hear it. E- even if you like, let's say you don't think it's the best script in the world, but you still like believe in the core of the story. Yeah, and um, and and you like lots of elements of it, and you know these writers are telling you that you can't make changes. I mean, so freaking what? Attach yourself, you know. Even if it doesn't get made, at least you're attached to a project that is being talked about around town. And that you're you're getting in meetings with people who who may be able to help you later. So like, let's imagine that this movie doesn't get made. Mm-hmm. But if you're going in rooms with agents of actors, or if you're meeting other agents in other capacities, or if you're just meeting other producers or whatever, or even like production designers, whoever you're meeting, like all those connections are going to help you. So whether or not you think this is the best movie in the whole world. I don't think that's really important because your first movie, unless you get super lucky, isn't going to be the best movie in the whole world anyways. Unless you're like Tarantino or Wes Anderson or somebody like that, like your first movie's going to be okay because it's your first feature. You're just learning. Yeah. So that's interesting. So much high like um, standards on the first project. I mean, I think it's good to have high standards, but I think if you're getting offered to be, connected to a $10 million feature where you're obviously going to make a pretty good fee. It's not going to be great, but it's going to be pretty good. I imagine. And you're getting to be in these rooms of people. I think whether it gets made or it doesn't get made, that's good for your career. You know, maybe I'm on the flip side of that. I've heard that projects that get passed on go into a database at agencies. And if my name comes back up, they'll type my name into the database and they'll see, Oh, Timothy Plain was attached to this project and didn't go anywhere. No one was interested, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you think you get blacklisted if you go to an agency and a project doesn't get made and then they're like suddenly 
you're now on the project does get made blacklist. Yeah. I feel like the risk, the risk <laughs> here, let's see. It's weird. Cause it's like, it's such a, it's so complicated and tied together in my head. The risk here for me is that the movie's too big. I feel like <laughs> it's crazy. But you want, but you want big. You love I big. I know, big all is right. Your, this is, is the craziest thing. thing. That's why I think it's so funny that we just talked about this last week. Well, we can. <laughs> it's so tough. It's too big that I'm afraid that because it's too big, it ha- it's gonna has the potential to ruin my career more than like a small movie. If it was small, let's like let's say it was a hundred thousand dollar movie, I would feel exactly like what you're saying. Like, who cares? Who cares if the script's not good? Like, it's a feature opportunity, and if it's not good, people won't see it. But with this case, it people have to see it because it's such a big budget. They're going to have to find somebody that wants to market it and, and put it out into the world. So if it goes out into the world and it doesn't do well, that's the end. I know a screenwriter it's, that, that made a movie yeah. and he, it didn't do well. And that was the only opportunity he got to direct and he really wanted to direct. So I don't think that just because you make a feature film means that you're going to get another one. I think especially when it's big and it's something that has to do with making money, it's going to be much more of a financial decision for somebody else coming in and seeing my first time movie. If it's too big and I didn't make money off of off of it, then it's going to be harder for me to get another one. It's interesting because like you, I hear those stories too. Like a friend of mine who went to Columbia, he told me a story that one of his professors told about... Um, he directed the It's Pat movie. Do you uh-huh, remember that yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. And so he directed that and then it was terrible. Like it, it went terribly and it was a big flop. And then, yeah, he basically has directed a movie since. And the only jobs he was able to get were TV directing jobs since then. Yeah. Now it's like in the eighties or whatever, you know? And I think now maybe he has like a chance to direct a future again, like, you know, whatever, 30 years, 20 years later. But yeah, I mean, so I think that is real, but then on the flip side, you see people who make crappy movies all the time that don't necessarily make any money and they're making another movie like right after and they're like, well, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. But you you know, see, so I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's like, it happens both ways, I think. And I mean, I think it's a good thing to be, to be aware of, but I think you also just need to, you know, you need to start making movies, right? Yeah. You know? But you can see my dilemma here. Yeah, I can see it. I just think that like, you know, being attached to a project like this, if if you if you like it, at least if you mostly like it and then you just don't and the only problems is like the, the specific changes you want to make that they won't let you make those kinds of things. I just don't see the harm of being attached to it because, you know, it doesn't mean you can't drop out of it later necessarily. Right. Unless you sign like a, you know, a, a contract in blood. But uh, I don't know. I mean. I just feel like it seems like a good career move from the outside perspective, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's rare for short filmmakers to get the opportunity to direct a feature without like some humongous success in one of their shorts. So, well that's I the mean, other thing. It's just it seems too good to be true. So, part of me is right. like, well, look, I'm going to be attached to the thing temporarily. And during that time that I'm attached to it, before somebody who knows better is going to be like, you don't want Timothy directing this. You guys are going to need a, a bigger director. And I'll get pulled off pretty quick if it if it goes anywhere. <clears throat> right. 
during that time, the people representing me, I don't think are professional enough to represent me in a good light. And I, I really worry about my name being used by them to talk to agents and people. They're so stubborn and they're, they think that they know it all that I think they're going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, like real professionals. And I don't want to be seen as uh, an amateur. I need to be seen as a professional. So I'm a little worried about that. Mm, interesting. Yeah, they're all good points. I mean, um, it's funny that I have a story similar to yours where I went the other direction, but I mean, it's actually, it's, it's, well, it's quite different. So basically I have a project that got brought to me, um, that they said they wanted me to direct. It's like a web series. Um, and I'm like basically doing the, the pitch video for the Kickstarter. So we're doing half of the first episode for this pitch video. And, uh, I read the scripts. I read the first three scripts of the web series and um, thought it was good. I had some suggestions on what to change. And then immediately they didn't want to hear the writer didn't want to hear the suggestions. And she was basically just like, like read it again, like read it again two or three times each. (laughs) And, um, you know, we've been working on this for over a year, year and a half. All these changes are here because, you know, we were, we've been working on this very hard. Mm-hmm. Just read it again. And so I read it again and then I sat with her and then she talked about the story. And then after she told me the whole story, big picture, and then I read them again, I was like, oh, okay, well, it actually does make sense. And I see why you did it this way. And... I still like there's still things I would probably do differently if I had a complete creative control. Mm-hmm. But she basically just asked me to like trust her and just, you know, that's good. Yeah, she she was basically saying, like, I'll hear any suggestion you ever want, like anything script wise that you want to say, like, let me know. But like, I'm going to always like fight you for it. And, you know, certain things I'm not willing to break on. And uh, and her attitude and her approach, I really appreciated and I could see that she wasn't putting things in the script just to be cool. Like everything that she had in there had a connection to something that was going to be revealed later or that connected to another episode. So in the end, I was like, okay, well, this is a good person to work with because she really believes in what she's doing. And whether or not like I, I agree with every single thing in the script, like I think it really works. And I think I can tell a good story with the script that is yeah, being given. That's great. I think you know? I think it's really important to have a writer that you can collaborate with and that you feel like you can trust that they're making the smart decisions. I I did the same thing on Over My Dead Body. That was a script that I found that I felt like there were things that I could do better, but after working with Zurgog on that, the writer, I felt that he had done so much with a purpose in mind that it was unfair of me to ask him to change some of those things. And so I ended up compromising a little bit on what I really wanted to do just because I wanted to respect him as a writer and say, look, you put a lot of time and energy into it. I'm not going to go and just steal it from you. I think you do have to respect the writers. And if you don't, then it does make for a, a tough, tough journey. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. I have, we haven't shot this thing yet, so I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I mean, I think it's going to turn out really well. As a filmmaker, your first thought is to like, you know, bring your own like, you your know, take spin it. on it, yeah. your own take, mm-hmm. you like put put your mark on it. 
And I think it's it's important to be thinking about how to tell the best story. But I think it's also important to respect the work that's been done like long before you were involved with the project. Yeah. Which is something I'm trying to like, you know, be mindful of, you know. Yeah, totally. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you the script. I want you to read it. And then once you've read it, you can give me some advice. Like my next step with these guys, I feel like I should at least sit down with them and talk to them and make sure that all the feelings that I'm having over email are founded. Um, And then make the, the move. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm just saying in my head, like I have to walk away from this. I, I can't get wrapped up into it. I think it's too dangerous. But have you have you met see. with them in person yet since No, I haven't. No, that's important. It that's is almost the it most is important. but they haven't really it's hard cuz it they haven't really gained my trust over email so it's hard for me to really jump in. They're just I don't know if you've had this experience yet, but I've I've had a lot of kind of green amateur people reach out to me through my website and try to like get me interested in stuff and there's just, I get really rubbed the wrong way when people who are amateurs pretend like they know everything. Yeah. And that's the just the feeling I get. And, and they get so clingy mm. and they won't stop. And they're just like, I'm a, I'm just going to bu- bug you until you say yes to me. And it's like, no, just <laughs> you have to be respectful. And you're right now you're kind of annoying me. Right. Um, so I'm really, I'm really nervous about meeting with these guys because I don't want to get too wrapped up until I feel like it's the right move. So I've been hesitant to meet up with them. But I mean, I think for you to really know whether or not you want to spend like four years with these people, I mean, it already sounds like, you know, oh, you yeah. have the right. Well, that's why, that's why I wanted to go through a few steps and hurdles before I got right. to that point. So they, they wanted to meet like right away. It's like, well, let's hold off for a second. Let me read the script and see if I'm still interested. Yeah. I read the script. All right. If you're open to another writer coming on board and rewriting it, then let me send you my thoughts. And then if you guys like those thoughts, let's meet. And then I send them my thoughts. And then they didn't like those. So now it's like, well, we're at an impasse. Like, what's the point of meeting if we're already kind of fighting over these changes? Let me decide now. If you're so stubborn about not changing your story, is that something I can live with? If it's something I can live with, then let's meet and let's see if there's energy. But right now, I'm just, I'm so nervous about this whole thing that I just feel like. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I can understand because I mean, it's you're speaking of um, people reaching out to you like this. This woman found me a few weeks ago and wanted me to direct and and produce a short film for her to star in. And she was going to do the fundraising and everything. And she was going to provide the script. And so I basically was just waiting for a script for weeks. And then I finally got it. And it was like a different kind of project than what we had talked about and everything. And we still haven't met up Mm -hmm. because just like you said, like I wanted to read the script first. And then I, you know, sent back my suggestions of like what I would do with this concept if I was to rewrite it as a script, you know, and Mm -hmm. I haven't heard back (laughs) (laughs) and I probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I feel like you have to take those like tiny steps just to make sure that it's, it's going to be worth your time to meet with someone. I think there's like a smart way to approach people and then there's a way that just feels like a little bit desperate. And right now, some of these people that are reaching out to me just feel a little bit desperate. Mm. They just need somebody. They need somebody to be attached to it because they feel like that's going to get them to the next level. But it has nothing to do with me personally. 
So that's what I'm not getting is like, I'm not seeing how I fit into the picture yet. It just feels like the, the move is to get a director attached and they know me as a director. So if they get me attached, then boom, they have a director, irregardless of who that director mm. is. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, should we jump in? Actually, let's talk about you because we talked a lot about my ordeal over the last week. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, I, I just did another edit of Brother uh, oh, yesterday, yeah. which I'm really excited about. I lost a minute off the runtime, which is really sweet. Um, and yeah, now I'm, today I'm going to cut the trailer together, which I'm really excited about um, doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Not not a lot. I mean, I, I guess I talked a little bit about some of the things I'm doing, um, you know, while we were talking about your project, like I'm, I'm about to you know, direct this pitch video for a horror web series, um, which is really, really exciting. It's kind of like Law and Order meets Supernatural, um, <laughs> yeah. which is going to be fun. Um, and it's a really great team. And the DP that I'm working with is amazing. And it's it's kind of, it's super humbling because he's actually shot like over 20 features. And uh, wow, that's awesome. I've sh- shot zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like, I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm definitely the noob in this situation. Um, but I'm super, like, happy to be working with them. And I'm super happy that I got uh, connected with the project. And, you know, like, when you when you read scripts that people bring to you, I mean, like, I, I think it's like you have that really high standard of what you want the story to be. And mm-hmm. so when I read this, these scripts, I was like, Oh, these are good, but like, Oh, they're, they're not perfect or whatever. And like, Oh, I have these ideas of how I wanted to change them. And then after reading them over and over again and meeting with the writer, I was like, Oh wait, these are actually great the way they are. And then reading other things that other people send me since then, just realizing how great the writing is on what I have. I'm like, oh my god! Like this is actually a really good project. I can't, I can't believe I fell into this. Like, <laughs> I'm really lucky. So I'm just trying to go into it with like a lot of respect and a lot of care, and just make sure that I do the best job of telling the story um, in the best way. And this is the first time I've ever directed anything that I haven't written, so it's going to be a really fun experience and a new thing for me. That's cool, and I, th- I think you're going to learn a lot by working on another writer's script i know i learned a lot with over my dead body because there were lines in there just like well i don't know if these are going to really work but you know i'll give it a shot they weren't lines that i would have ever written and then i rehearsed it with the actors and i was like oh wow like okay that totally works like just because i think that something doesn't work doesn't mean that it's not going to and that it it kind of gave me a different perspective on the whole like director writer relationship that sometimes you don't have to uh, love something in order for it to actually work and it's more about trust and you're like well the writer feels really strongly that we keep this in so let's let's do it and let's make it work i don't know i'm really excited to see how it goes and i think that we're gonna really really make one kick-ass pitch video and um you know the the woman who's uh the producer and who's also running the the crowdfunding campaign she's extremely experienced in in crowdfunding so i'm pretty sure that we're going to get our goal, you know? Uh, but you never know. I mean, these things are hard to predict, but I, I mean, but I'm feeling the very money positive. for the pitch video is already there, right? That's already there. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Is to move out from paying for your own projects and start working on projects that either you're not paying for, or even better that they're paying you to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel really lucky, man. I mean, I've only done, like, I guess, you know, I have two, like, bigger shorts, and then I have the zombie versus drone thing, which is, like, sort of a short ad, whatever. So, I mean, I've only really done, like, you know, three directing projects so far, and I already have an opportunity to get brought in on something else. I just feel like, you know, I'm really lucky to have the opportunity and really excited to um, to just attack it with full uh, creative enthusiasm, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, so let's talk about agents. Ooh, this is kind of a, a big topic. Yeah, man. And we're probably not the best people to talk about agents since neither of us have one. Right. But let's do our best. I think let's talk a little bit about or let's just make sure that we frame the conversation with our own perspective on what agents do, even though we don't have one. Like, how do we see agents and what? has worked or not worked in terms of getting in touch with agents. Let's try really hard not to kind of speculate things that are outside of our experience. Right. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I think early on I was really concerned with having an agent. It was kind of like the number one goal. Like if I just have an agent, everything will just kind of happen. (laughs) And I think there's a perspective on the outside looking into the industry and you see that anyone who's working has an agent. So it feels like the key to the industry is an agent. But I think it's kind of the other way around where the reason people have agents is because they're in the industry, not the not they're in the industry because they have an agent. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. Like the way I look at it, it's like, I mean, if you're going to be able to get like a bigger project where you're going to get paid any kind of substantial amount of money or you're going to, you know, if you're going to be working within the system at, at all, like you need to have an agent. Like if you're going to be out of the system, like that's fine. Like, you know, I think you can make it do without one. But as soon as you want to like, you know, be part of the Hollywood system, I feel like having an agent seems almost mandatory in order to like to work in that world, you know, because that's right. how things are done. Um, right. From what I understand is if you want to get into certain rooms with certain people or you want to talk to certain actors, you have to have an agent to talk to their agent to get that introduction. Like, let's say I want to meet Natalie Portman and I want her in my movie. It's going to be really hard for me to get directly to Natalie Portman. I could probably get to her agent, but her agent might not take me seriously unless I have my own agent. So it's kind of like... It's just the way that the system works and it gives you credibility. If you have somebody that's attached to you as an agent, then it shows that you're like a real person. And I think it helps weed them, weed through all the other people that exist in the world. I've heard of people doing things like even pretending to be their own agent in order to get work. Oh, have yeah. you heard of that too? Uh-huh. I've heard of that. Yeah. I've never tried it myself, but I kind of feel like maybe that would be a good, <laughs> a good thing to do <laughs> if you wanted to talk to a certain, to certain people, you know? Yeah. Or even just having your friend act like your agent. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it only works. Like you probably couldn't call CAA and they would believe you. But if you call just like a small agency, they might be like, oh, I don't know that agency, but okay, sure. Yeah. That's Whatever. the other thing is every agent knows every other agent, you know, for the most part, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's hard, kind of hard to play that game because they'll, they'll smell it and they'll smell it really quick <laughs> unless, unless you're real sharp. Um, Do you have any experience with agents? 
I mean, I have experience dealing with them in the capacity of trying to like work with actors and stuff, you know, and yeah, and... what's that like? What, what's been the experience of that? Well, the first time I ever called an agent, um, I called a jewel States agent cause I wanted her to be in strange thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh yes. Uh, you know, I have a project I'd like to um, present to jewel state, you know? And the agent was like, um, well, uh, you know, we don't take solicited work. And I was like, well, I mean, so what are you saying? Like, uh, like you have to know who I am in order for you to want to listen to me. Like, well, do you have an agent is the first thing they said. And I was like, <laughs> no. So I was like, well, if, if I had an agent well, then you would, you, you would, you would talk to me. Like I have to get an agent and then they can call you and then you will deal with me that way. And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. okay. I'll talk, you know what? Bye. <laughs> they just hung up on me and I was That's like, you know, this is interesting. Um, but then I've talked to other agents, you know, since then. And I mean, I, I've hired, you know, I have hired actors through agents before. And like, that's always an interesting thing. It's like, they're always just trying to get the most money for their client, you know, usually. Sure, yeah. And, I, and I've worked with some really great ones who've been really nice, you know. And then I've also recently, I sent my, uh, I sent a script or not. I didn't really send a script. At first I sent an email to a bunch of agents trying to get these actors to be in my current short film that I'm doing. And, um, most ignored me, but a couple got back to me and one, a couple actually let me send the, send them the script. And then, you know, they passed on it. But, uh, you know, at least I kind of felt like I could at least have a conversation with them. Like the least they are willing to, to talk to me, you know, rather than, just blowing me off, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I just think it's like, it's, it's, it's like anything. It's hard because they, they want to make sure they're not wasting their time with somebody who's just playing games, you know? Um, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if you represented somebody that everyone wanted to work with and I'm sure you just get so many inquiries every day. Yeah. Let's just get maddening. So how do you separate the real people from the fake people? Cause there are so many people out there that are trying to fake it till they make it. So I think as an agent, you got to have some sort of system in place to make sure that the people that you're talking to are, are real. And I think having another agent is kind of like that key. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let, let's talk about this in another, um, you know, sort of way. Cause one of the things that I hear a lot, um, that, that just from other filmmakers and just people in general in the industry, they, they sort of talk about like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, like I'm not ready to get an agent yet or, Oh, I'm not ready to put myself out to agents yet or whatever. I'm just waiting for, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, so how do you even do that? Like, what do you mean? Like you, do you just email a bunch of agents <laughs> randomly and like Be send like, them hey, your, I'm ready to get signed. Like I'm ready for you now. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I know beat me up, you know, I, or whatever. Like, I don't really know how it works. Like, how do you get in touch with agents, you know, and how do you like, do you just send query letters and hope that works? Is that the only way? Or is there like some secret network of like, a, a you know, meeting agents that I don't know about, you know? I think the secret network is people that, you know, mm. so you meet other people that have agents and you try to get them to recommend you to their agent. Yeah. I think that's kind of, that's like the main way that it works. So I think that's what it benefits people that live in LA that meet a lot of people. Mm. And then when they are looking for representation, they could talk to like, let's say you're a writer and you talk to all your writer friends and say, 
hey, I think I have like enough screenplays now that I should probably get an agent and try to sell some of these. Like, do you guys have any recommendations? And if that writer believes in you, they'll recommend you to their agent. Like, I think from what I hear, agents will only pay attention to kind of recommendations. Yeah. And that whole query letter thing, like I've tried it. I've done it on a few different screenplays and I've only heard back from like one agency. The last time I did it, maybe like, four years ago pretty much every letter i sent got sent back to me unopened how many with like a, with like a form letter how many uh letters did you send i think the last time i did it was like 150 or something like that and they're all physical letters or, or emails yeah i did physical letters yeah i kind of feel like these days email is the way right like if you just email like 150 people, like I think you're going to get more than three responses. But even if you just get three, that's probably not that bad, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So Yeah, I haven't tried it in a while because I kind of got disheartened with the whole thing. And then I started hearing advice either probably like on podcasts or books or wherever I got it where it's like, don't worry about finding an agent. Like when you're ready for an agent, an agent will find you. Yeah, well, that, that's really interesting because this brings up a story um, that I have uh, from a you know big time TV comedy executive worked on one of the the bigger you know um, series. I, I don't really want to say which one just because uh, whatever you might get in trouble. I just want to be like, don't tell stories. I want to be me. respectful. Like I don't really. I never <laughs> met this person in person. We just emailed. You know, a, a mutual friend um, connected gotcha. us, and uh, basically his advice was like. That's bullshit. He basically said, oh, really? if you're going to find, if, if, if you want an agent and you think that an agent's going to find you, you're crazy. Like they, they basically, <laughs> like there's so many people making short films and there's so many short films out in the world. Like yeah. mm-hmm. in order to be found by an agent, like you have to be like one in like, you know, a million or whatever. So you know, and there's just so many people who are reaching out to agents and so many people to weed through. Like if you want to get noticed, you have to stand out. And so the only way to do that is by reaching out to agents. Like, like you have to have a movie that everyone's watching in order for, right. For that and to I think happen. that's probably where it's coming from is more for like a feature filmmaker who premieres at Sundance. I'm sure they're going to find an agent oh, through that. But absolutely. if you're just a writer in your living room and you're writing scripts and you're expecting that somebody will will come across your script and offer you a, an agent, that's probably not going to happen. And yeah, same thing with like a short filmmaker. There are so many people out there. So yeah, you're probably right. Okay, you convinced me. I'm going I'll, to I'll reach out to agents well, cause, and, cause and try I, it again. Because I used to, cause, so what you just told me is what a lot of filmmakers have told me. So I, when I did my festival run last year for Strange Thing, um, every filmmaker that I met that had either had meetings with agents or even had an agent, that's what they said. And then I, I, I emailed with this like guy who's, I wouldn't say he's a legend, but he's been around for 20 years. He's, you know worked on multiple series. He's, I think he has a series on right now and his advice was the exact opposite. But, but again, that also could be because he's coming from more of an old fashioned point of view where like, that's how things have been done when he was coming up, you know, that's true so that too. And be playing into it also. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just different from, for different disciplines. Like if you're a writer, you're definitely going to need an agent to get work. But like for us, like I was so concerned with like agency style work for a long time. And now that I'm like, well, thinking I 
less about the agent and I'm just trying to find like work that I can get without an agent. It's kind of opened my doors to smaller things. Yeah. I also, I also kind of think that no matter what type of agent you get, like when you get an agent, it's not time to relax and let the agent work for you. I think it's the time to work even harder. You yeah, know, because... I heard somebody told me that if you get signed, that you have six months to, to make something happen and then the agent will lose interest and move on to the next person. Right. And, and I think that you just need to be proactive. Like, you know, if your agent is like, you know, kind enough or are able to get you a meeting, no matter what that meeting is, like you just need to take it. Like you just got to take every meeting. Right. And it's probably a favor too. It's probably like, I know you don't know this guy, but I, I think you should meet him. I think he's really good. And then he doesn't show up to the meeting. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, well, that's like, I just how earned my favor. Yeah. And how embarrassed is the agent going to be that they didn't, you know, their new client didn't go to the meeting that they worked so hard to get for them. It's like, yeah, obviously. But again, now we're sort of getting more into speculation. I mean, these are based off stories I've been told. Right. But it's still kind of speculation because I've never been in that situation. Well, I think it's good for us to talk about it a little bit because everyone has stories, right? We don't know the reality of it. We're just kind of now talking about what we've heard from other people. And I think that's interesting that you... I've been in so many different kind of like lectures. I've read different books. I've heard different interviews. And I think the opinion is different from person to person. And it's kind of like our last episode about making a feature film. I think there's probably like a million different ways you can play the same hand. And it's just kind of comes down to like how it works for you. Yeah. And and I can just tell you like sort of like my plan for agents and then like what I would want, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I know you mentioned, I don't know if we have it on the podcast, but at some point you mentioned that like you're not really ready for an agent or you're happy to work without an agent for as long as you can or something. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, I kind yeah, of, I said that off, off the mic. Okay. Um, anyways, so I was sort of thinking like, if I could get an agent, I would have one, you know, like right now, like, you know, I mean, just because. I feel like having those conversations and getting into the rooms of people, I feel like that's just important to grow, you know, and whether or not like you're actually going to be able to get a project going, just meeting these people and getting it, in, getting some, you know, whether like FaceTime or whatever, pressing the flesh. Like, I think that kind of stuff's important, you know? Um, but again, like I, I'm not really making that my focus right now because I, I kind of feel like I want a little bit more, ammo before I go after trying to get an agent. What would your email to an agent say? Um, it would be really short, like kind of as short as it possibly could be, maybe a paragraph. And it would basically just introduce who How, I am. Do you know what it's going to say? Like, like word for word? Like not exactly, exactly, but kind of like paraphrase what, what it would say. Hey, my name's Ulrich Purcell. I'm a filmmaker. I've directed two short films. I have a feature screenplay that I'd like to make. Uh, my first film racked up 55,000 hits on Vimeo over a year. And my second film brother reached a million. Um, <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that about right? I mean, if you're interested, I'd love to talk if, to if, you. If, 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 <laughs> if brother reaches a million, I won't have to f- do that. I don't think if, yeah, but no, it, it'll be like something like that. Exactly. I mean, probably more a little more flavor you know a little bit more um uh just personality well i think you need to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and pretend that you're selling yourself 
to them. So if you were an agent, I guess you have to say, if I was an agent and I was looking at a prospective client, how much time would I realistically have to look at their work and what would I need to see to say, oh shit, this guy's got something. I got to meet with him. I mean, I think I could watch it. I think watching a 10 minute short film, I mean, for me, that's what I would want. But again, I'm not an agent, you know, but I don't think you need to be, I don't think you need to be an agent to answer that question. I think you just need to, to ask yourself what interests you because they're, they're people too. And their interests are just like anyone else's where they're going to have pretty much the same attention span as most people. They're probably going to have about the same amount of time as most people. So I think you need to distill it into something that just like really captures them and makes them interested. And like, what is it? You might want to just say, here's my best thing. If you want to see more, let me know. And then if they contact you, then you can yeah. send them more stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I would say is that if there was three links, if, if I got that email and I was an agent or whatever, just putting myself mm-hmm. in the agent's shoes, I'd probably click on the first link. And if I wasn't interested within the first 30 seconds, I would turn it off. Yep. That's um, pretty you know, much how I look for directors but, for TV commercials. Right. Yeah. Like you get 30 seconds. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe a director's wheel is the way to go. And maybe like, despite my own personal feelings on it, maybe that is the best tool to get people to pay attention to you because maybe they only have three minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that I think I would play it as I would try to appeal to someone's short attention span and make them ask for more and not try to give them everything and expect that they're going to keep digging deeper. I would just like put put my I think best. That's probably very good advice. Forward. So as for me, I kind of gave up on the agent thing for a little bit. After this conversation, though, <laughs> I'm starting to rethink my position. I've kind of so where I've been over the past few years has it's all kind of like been waiting for Spirit Machine to get done because I feel like that's going to be my be- my best foot forward into the world of like bigger budgets. And kind of the films that an agent would be able to get me attached to. And until that's done, I, I just haven't really put a whole lot of thought to it. Um, but what I've been doing is kind of building up a slate of things that I'd like to work on. So if I ever sat down with an agent and they said, well, what do you want to do? I could say, I want to direct a feature film. Here's some feature, some original ideas that I have that I could write. Or here's some ideas, some scripts that I've read that I'd love to direct. Or here's some properties with studios that could be remade. So I have like a running list of kind of dream projects that I'd like to do. So that way, nice. it's not just me going in with one project and being like, it's make or break on Spirit Machine, the feature. It's kind of like, yeah, I have 12 different ideas that I would love to pursue as, as my agent. Which one do you think that we should start with? Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, here's another uh, story, like, you know, third person, three piece people separated. Um, basically, I have a friend who has a friend <laughs> who apparently is really close <laughs> yeah, friends. I love this. With, um, <laughs> with the guy who directed uh, Fruitvale. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And. I got to hear the story of how he got Fruitvale made, like, you know, three people separated. So I don't know how true this is, but basically he like got into a meeting like with uh, Forrest Whitaker, I think it was, or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker produced it. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, I got, he had like one main idea and he pitched it and then 
he he was like, oh, what else you got? And then he like pitched his other thing. He's like, no, what else? And he pitched like, I don't know how many, like maybe four or five different ideas. And then the last thing that he said was like, oh, and there was this movie I wanted to make about, um, you know, this, this shooting that happened in Oakland, California at uh, this BART station. And I think he just gave a very, very brief pitch. And then he said, yeah, that's great. Write it. And then that, that's how the deal happened. And then it just went from there. So I kind of think it's really good. Like you can't just have one idea. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, you're appealing to people's sensibilities and everybody has different sensibilities. So you might have the most amazing screenplay ever written, but that doesn't mean that you're going to find a hundred people that want to make it. You might just find one that, that sees what you see. So you, you have to have different projects, I think, to um, to kind of be able to pitch to people and see which one sticks with them. Well, let's wrap up our talk about agents. So what do you, what are you feeling here, Timothy? What's your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I'm confused. This is like <laughs> one of those conversations where because it's so far out of my own realm of experience and I don't have an agent... It's hard for me to give advice to anybody. I think I'm going to have to revisit it myself and just kind of think about, do I feel like I could take advantage of an agent right now? Like in the next six months, like am I willing to quit my job, move to LA and take a bunch of meetings for the sake of my career if that if like I find an agent that's willing to take me on? Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of feel like I'd love to talk to agents. Um, I'm not going to necessarily take any energy to do it myself now. I just want to wait until um, I have a lot more ammo in my, uh, you know, in my gun before I do it. Well, when you start doing that, please let us all know. And we want to follow along and, and find out how it goes. Yeah, you guys can all point and laugh as uh, <laughs> after rejection. Um, no, come on, man. <laughs> so uh, your thing this week, Timothy, was a book. That was yeah, Sidney Lumet's book called Making Movies. It's really good. It's a. It's all about how he approaches uh, every discipline within filmmaking and just how he's done it over the past. I don't know. He died recently, but he's mm-hmm. been making movies since I think the the sixties or seventies. And it's really interesting to hear like he he does he it's almost like a making movies is hard podcast episode over a book because he talks about the heartbreak on on certain things and what worked and what doesn't work. It's a good one. Nice. Uh, I guess mine. I saw a movie last night called Spring. I don't know if you've heard of this movie. No, I haven't. It's a it's a really independent movie. It's made by these guys, Moorhead and Benson. Um or it's Benson and Moorhead. I think it's Moorhead and Benson is how they build themselves. They're a directing team. And uh, I saw their first feature, I believe, called The Battery. Um, it's a zombie movie. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, Spring was awesome, and I think everyone should check it out. And Where can you find it? Uh, it's, it's on um, Amazon Prime right now. Um, you know, So if you have a Prime membership, you can watch it there. And I think if you don't have Prime, you can rent it on Amazon. Um, cool streaming but yeah it's a, it's a cool movie spring check it out awesome well thanks everyone for listening uh we have one additional itunes review thank you to whoever posted that that makes us happy i think it was mike wells um and if it's the mike. same mike wells as i think it is thank you mike you're awesome <laughs> i really appreciate it yeah thank you we'd love to get some more reviews up there it, it just helps other people find it because i think if there's more reviews it it ends up in different searches um and yeah you can follow us on twitter making movies is hard has its own handle at mmih podcast and then my handle 
is at Timothy Plain. And I am at Ulrich B. So yeah, please tweet, follow, favorite, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions or any takes on how to get an agent or any dealings with agents, yeah, just tweet at us. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, because we don't know what we're talking about. We absolutely don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Have a good day. All right, see ya.